Friends, what up? Thanks for tuning in. I've been talking about doing this podcast for about a year now, so shout out to all my friends and family for encouraging me to just do it already. Credit to my clever brother for thinking of the title, How Tall Are You? It's really meant to connect tall women over our love, struggles, and stories that go along with standing out from the crowd. Standing at six feet, three inches, four inches in basketball sneakers, I'm your host, Jackie Reinica, or JT Ray to many. We're recording! Taylor Williams! <laughs> hey, proud six feet, two inches of fun. This brilliant best friend of mine is Princeton women's basketball's leader in career field goal percentage at 56.8% and a two-time Ivy League champion. She studied public and international affairs, was the social chair at the second best eating club, Cannon, drove the U Matter bus, and is about to marry the star of the Princeton football team. Yep, pretty successful college career. The thing about Taylor, though, is that I'm certain she'll tell me the best part of Princeton was meeting her best friends. On top of now unsurprisingly dominating her career, she's currently planning her wedding while studying for the CFA. Please welcome Taylor Williams, soon to be Huffman. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So we start each episode here at How Tall Are You with a funny being tall story. So I know you have many of these, but what's one that really stands out to you? Um, well, there's a lot. I think one of the top ones that I always refer back to is I had someone who had asked me how tall I was. And at this point in my life, I was still young. So I was insecure about my height. And I feel like once you play basketball and living in a big city, you're surrounded by taller people versus in high school, I was like the tallest friend by a solid eight inches. Um, but this guy in my high school asked me how tall I was and I just like immediately went into def to defensive mode and was like 6'12", which is clearly a sarcastic answer. But he goes, damn, that's tall. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Warren. Hashtag Warren. But now whenever I think about that, like that's my go-to. Yeah. I know because I... I, I tell everyone not a day goes by that my t that my height's not mentioned and now even in the zoom world I feel like it's still brought up <laughs> it's like, oh Jackie you know all when people can tell through zoom <laughs> but it's so true and sometimes I'm like would you ever go up to someone who's short and be like damn you're short or damn, you're skinny, or damn, you're fat. It's like, I know, thank you. Right. And it's fortunate that, I mean, I'll get to this, but for the most part, I think both of us enjoy being tall. Mm -hmm. um, but were you always tall? Did you always like it? Or was it tough growing up? Oh, it was hard. Yeah. I used to be so, because I think, think back to high school and even middle school, like just the stupid insecurities you have. Um, and I feel like not even just girls, but girls and guys can be so mean to each other in high school. It's just like the petty drama and bullying. And, um, I would say I never let it get to me too much, but it was 
definitely a sense of insecurity growing up. And I really think it took like the athletic world and being with other girls and almost like that group mentality when you feel the confidence of like, yeah, we're tall, we get it. We're on the women's basketball team and we kick ass and we're undefeated and all this, like, you know, all the stuff that comes with it. You just learn to, even if you're not confident about it, just be able to like be confident in your own skin and grow into it. Right. It's like, I'm tall. I might as well be tall, better own it. And do you own any heels? When did you start wearing heels? <laughs> um, I do own them. I can't say I own them or I wear them often. I'm wearing heels to my rehearsal dinner, but they're like, Woo! they're like three. We gotta talk about that too. Yeah. They're three um, inches? I that's, think so. that's high. I, go, I, <laughs> I only go up to one. <laughs> But then our feet are so big that I rock the kitten heel and I'm like, this is just embarrassing. <laughs> like, just go back down to the floor. Uh, oh, speaking about your rehearsal dinner, Taylor has some big life events coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about, well, first on the docket is your bachelorette party. Oh, I, I was waiting for this to tell you that my dress came. Yay, fun. So for all of you out there who may not be my friend listening, which is probably no one, <laughs> I'm in Taylor's wedding and I'm honored to be. And um, we just got our bridesmaid dresses. And it's hilarious because I, no matter what, always order extra length. But for once, this is like, too long yay that's good because i gotta i gotta get it tailored but it looks good yay yeah i was very on par with our conversation i was dying when shanna who's another one of our friends for the listeners who was on the softball team she i went through the brides or the like bridal shop sent me all of the dresses and extra additions i was like Britt, four of these dresses are missing extra length. Can you add them, please? And I was talking to Shannon about it, and she's like, what? They don't know you have the Amazonian bridesmaid or bridal party. I was like, we are going to be the world's tallest. I think, no, it must be Sam's sisters that are short. The only ones. And Paige. But she's not even short. She's like Right, they're like, how tall are they? Well, Sam's sisters are petite. They're probably like his sister-in-law and his oldest sister are probably like five two, five three. Oh, poor girl! And they're gonna have to. They're gonna have Ellen's to probably like five six, I'd say. Well, at least their personalities are big enough to hang with us. Hey. <laughs> Amen. I'm ex- I'm so excited to see them. Me too. Good time. So tell us about the wedding. Where's the bachelorette? What's, what are you nervous about? What are you excited about? Bachelorette is in Asheville. I've never been. I've heard incredible things. Um, I'm nervous to see what the going out scene is like. Frankly, I think we'll hang out at the house a lot just to like reconnect and hang out and just like party at the house. But I do want to go out a little bit, and I'm nervous that breweries are going to dominate the scene. Like, I bought a really cute dress to wear out, but I'm hoping it's, 
like appropriate for the vibes, you know? It's like oh. not a dress I would wear to a brewery. But it's your bachelorette party, so you're going to do yeah. whatever you want. That's fair. Um, yeah. So how many people are coming? Bridal party plus my friend Hallie from home. Yep. Plus A-Rod. So that's 13, 14 people? 14 total. Ooh! I and so you all know, the last time we've all seen each other um, was Amanda's wedding. Our other friend's wedding. Which was almost a year and a half ago. Yes. Like, what, two months before? Shut- it was pretty far before. Yeah. It was, it was before, I think, the world, we, like, knew what was actually going to happen. But, right. yeah, it's been so long. So we're, we're probably going to shut that place down. <laughs> We have to, though. We do this every time. We see each other and drink like we're still in college. <laughs> and as we know, the next day doesn't work like it <laughs> used to. We have three or two see in New Orleans. No, we'll have a blast. Um, and then after that, a few weeks later, you have your bridal shower. Bridal shower. Sam's... Um, Family is big, so you have two bridal showers, one with them, right? Yeah, his, his sides is this weekend. This weekend? Yeah. You have a dress and everything? Mm-hmm. But it's, it snowed here today. Oh, no. So now I'm like, which, honestly, I'm pretty flexed about it because, like, his family's so low-key, and it's just... It'll be, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, easy, but I'm like, I hope it warms up so I can... Now how many people are going to that? Um, I'm trying to think. So for his, just for reference for listeners, my, (laughs) the two. All of my listeners out there. (laughs) Um, Sam's family, we invited 308 people and Sam's family was 200 of them. And that's like cousin like cousins so I guess extended but not super extended you know what I'm saying oh um so I think it his dad's sisters and and or like his brother's wives his sister-in-laws do it I think he's one of eight so it's like all of them and all of their kids so it'll probably be like 20-ish people but then with COVID you never know I'm like I don't know who's vaccinated who feels well you're vaccinated so that's good yes Johnson and Johnson baby one and done (laughs) I'm like so pumped although Columbus is in the purple right now what's in the purple Columbus what does in the purple mean the worst level they've been the worst the whole time (laughs) this isn't like news I yeah people just don't but so when do you get your t-shirt? At the ser- or at the reception. Oh. I love that you know that because we're like you wearing it-, it at the party. I probably won't that night, yeah. but I we're making like a big announcement presentation. So t- tell our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in honor of Sam's grandparents, the Huffman side, um, Shirley and Lawrence. They made these family jerseys that combined, I kind of forget the story, but they're called the Flying Rhinos. It honors, the flying part honors 
Dayton, where they either grow up, grew up or met or married. And then the rhinos is something to do with, I think, Shirley's high school mascot or something. Well, you better school. get your story straight before you uh, I know. get a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not the one presenting. But they started, Lawrence is number one, Shirley's number two, his uncle Larry, who's the oldest, is number three. And they worked all their way, all the way down, and they're up to like 108 right now. I'm in triple digits. So what's your number? Do you know? No, because we think a couple babies might come before me. That's the tricky part. That's and then we have one getting babies are coming. Huh? That many babies are coming in between now and July. No, I think it's only one actually, but okay. I forget where we left That's off. That's crazy. That's so fun though. I know. I'm excited. Um, oh. Oh. And How then the wedding is July 24th. Mm-hmm. And are you ready or what? I mean, what does that question mean? <laughs> I mean, I know you're ready to marry Sam. But yes. are you ready to have a party? Or ready ready to to watch watch young. I mean, it's just so much dumb stuff you didn't think of. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it truly is so much more than you think it's going to be. And it's fun. I think we just have so much going on right now that like, I can't care anymore about the envelopes or what color the ink is, or (laughs) it's just like so many decisions that it's overwhelming. Are you doing the decision making or is Sam helping? He's helping a lot. I almost wish he would help less. <laughs> I kind of told him that today. I was like, I love you and I thank you for your involvement, but I need you to hand over the reins a little bit. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, so it's me being a little overdramatic, but we're, we're almost there. I feel like a lot of the big stuff that we can handle right now, like our, your invitation should be arriving any day and like the big so we just had our 90-day meeting we had our tasting last night you didn't know night. that was a thing yeah neither did i until well, she no emailed. that's what i mean <laughs> no it's i mean all of it it's a lot but it's fun i'm just like it was a long engagement and i'm just like ready to do the damn thing sweet and then you're going to greece immediately after hopefully well I think I'm very, I, I don't want to say pessimistic because that makes me sound emotionally affected. Like, obviously I want a honeymoon there, but I just don't think it's going to happen. You don't think they're going to be allowing U.S. citizens there? So I, I think even if they do right now, they're not allowing any U.S. citizens. And I think if they do, by the time of our honeymoon, they're going to implement a 10-day quarantine which is almost the length of our honeymoon anyways. I guess you don't want to get in trouble in a foreign country. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Annie. Otherwise, I would have just been like, eh, they don't know. (laughs) I know. So do you have a backup plan? No. All right. Well, you have places you could go. Yeah. We, I mean, we brainstormed. I've, I've never been to like the Northeast, never been to Boston, never been to Cape Cod or anywhere Maine. up there. Maine, yeah. yeah. So we were thinking of doing like a Nantucket, Boston, like swing. Nice. Do like a little bop around up there, but 
that's about as far as we've gotten. (laughs) That's all right. It'll all work out. I'm just happy that most people will be vaccinated by that. I know that was a big stressor for you. I know. Well, and the majority of people I know are vaccinated. I don't know if you feel the same, but um, getting there. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And like, I was most worried about my parents. I think mm-hmm. that's what most people were um, afraid of, just like being around elderly people who would be yeah. affected by it more. So I'm happy they're all covered. Um, Are your parents lot- vaccinated? Yeah. Yep. They've been vaccinated for, I think like a month now. So I feel better. Yay. I know. I know. They're so excited too. My dad will like ask me every day. He's like, oh, Jackie, did you, get, did you get the tickets to Taylor's wedding yet? I was like, no, I'm still watching the prices. And he's like, all right. Yay! I oh, can't wait to see them. He's so excited. I know it'll be a big reunion. Um, but during all of this, you've been also studying your butt off yes. for what is CFA? I, I sound so ignorant right now, but no. what does CFA stand for? Yeah, Chartered Financial Analyst. I was going to say certified financial analyst. Uh, it's now I'm second guessing myself. <laughs> Should I know what the test I'm studying for stands for? Wait, I'm Googling. You just whip out your calculator? No, it's my phone. Oh, it's your big phone. <laughs> I have a bulletproof chartered financial analyst. Whew. It's like, I hope I'm getting that right. And so that test is the day before your bachelorette. Yes. Well, the Wednesday before. So even more reason to celebrate. And then when do you find out if you passed? Not for two months. It's so anticlimactic. Well, that'll be before the wedding? It'll be like right after. I don't know. Even if I find out before. You're not going to look. No. Because it, like, it has like a 35% pass rate. Really? Yeah. And so, then if you fail, you have to take, you have to wait a year? Yeah. Wow. And there's three levels. This is the first level. Second. Right. I remember you passing the first one. And so is this, this is the hardest one. Mm-hmm. So I'm told. And how, how do you think that, so your company didn't necessarily pressure you to do this. Mm-mm. It's more your own for your own sake or will it help you with your job? It'll help me with my job for sure. I don't think people in my role typically get the designation, but it's also like I'm a 6'2 woman in finance with my CFA. Like let's freaking go. Dang. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> you're six two I thought you were six three six three on paper according to Courtney Van with fastball sneakers (laughs) adds a couple inches so okay wait tell us what you do um I still can't explain it to anyone I say finance and do the little airplane over my head (laughs) I don't know something with big numbers Um, it's actually not that hard. I'm a oh, person. You're very good. So three fixed right. income mutual funds. For what? Sorry. Three fixed income mutual funds. And so what do you do every day? Every day I am prospecting 
which is basically trying to find new avenues of introducing myself to people. So sometimes my company is based in Chicago. So we'll send Lumonati's pizza to people. We'll send wine. Sometimes we just send basic emails or like call them to see if they'll take a meeting with us. And then my goal is to get them to use our funds in lieu of our competitors' funds, basically. Okay. So how would you say you're doing? I, from what I've heard, very well. I think we're doing well. And No, you personally. Do you like what you're oh. doing? What? <laughs> I was like, we're growing what's healthy. Been your, what's been like, your path? Yeah. Like, how did, how did you get to this from you're studying international affairs? So I didn't think you would get into finance, but Me you kind of ended that way. So how did you get there? I, like, was ready to run from Wall Street because, and I want to say, like, the type of clients we have, I wouldn't necessarily call it Wall Street, but... Um, I feel like the only exposure I had to finance were people in banking who just worked tirelessly. And frankly, it's a skill I admire because I'm just not like my personality does, does not have it out for me or cut for me to work like that. Like I just don't have the stamina. Um, so I like always had feared or sh- maybe not feared, but like shied away from that. Cause I knew the lifestyle wasn't what was going to make me happy. Um, And basically through one of our Bible study mentors we had, she was like, oh, you want to live in Chicago? Like at the time my sister was living in Chicago. So I was like, I've been told by mentors that I'd be good at sales. I'm just going to apply to like every sales position in Chicago. So there was like insurance sales. There was like technology sales. I applied for stitch fix and like a sales position. I remember that. And my mentor knew someone who was like one of the principals of the firm I work for now. So I got an interview with him and he was like, okay, like not, it was a very casual interview, but he connected me to my now boss. And it was just like, without getting into the details, it was like the way we think about fixing comes totally different. It's very like math based. Basically our process is like flipping how the industry approaches or values fixed income on its head. And without even knew, knowing like what fixed income meant or like, I probably have, couldn't have even given like a good definition of what a bond was at the time, which is fair if people who don't work in finance can't, but <laughs> um, now it's like, I, it just, the culture I feel like is what pulled me in, not necessarily the underlying work. But since then I've like, learn to appreciate the side of finance that isn't just like grinding hours in Excel sheets at the bottom of the totem pole. Right. Cause I, I feel like at least at Princeton, the expectation was almost like you need to get an internship being an investment banker. And mm-hmm. that is what you need to do to be successful no matter what. And I think it's such a myth. And I think it has, like, when I go back for mentor days, I think a lot of kids are getting more interested in marketing or sales or, yeah. or life sciences. Like, there's just so much out there. And I, I don't think it's really been that way. Like, it, it wasn't like that when we were in college. Like, it was finance or bus. Um, yeah. So that's cool. You found your own kind of niche route within the finance world. Well, and I think that exactly is like, I remember just being so, I, 
maybe not intimidated of it, but just like in admiration of the people who got those internships and thinking like, I would never, like, I could never get that internship. Like I could never work at a bank because it started so early. Like, do you remember how early these people were stressing over their, their interviews? And I just remember thinking like, I could never do that. Like, I'm not good. I'm not good enough for that. Like I could never handle that stress. And I'm like very thankful. And I've seen a little bit more of like, the buy side with my trading gig but I think it just is like important to know to your point exactly that like there's other options and I think more than anything like finding what makes you happy even if that takes change even if that means reverting back to something you tried before and think you didn't like like I did then it's worth it because at the end of the day it's like if you can lay down and feel happy with what you're doing then like, yeah, money is money. Like you need it. But also at the end of the day, like once you're comfortable and it takes a few years to get out of college to feel comfortable, I feel like with money, then it's like you're past it, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. And of course you have to go through that grind period where you're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. But I think it's important, like when you are first interviewing and we were super privilege to be in the position we were trying to look for jobs but I think it's like I think you would agree you mentioned mentors a lot of uh, a couple times and I think just networking and branching out and seeing what's out there is super important and when I talk to kids who are in college now I'm always like stop stressing yourself out like enjoy yourself and it'll work out like you are at a great school you most likely play a sport if I'm talking to you and you will figure it out. Like this is not the time to stress. It makes me upset. Like I I feel like the age is getting, like you said, younger and younger where you're expected to have it all figured out. Yeah. Like you're still coming to your, like I still am figuring myself out and I'm 26, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. And I, to that point, like, I don't think you could put a price on your network, especially like I feel like the Princeton basketball network is so strong, which is such a blessing and privilege of ours. But I even think like when I got to Chicago, now that I've moved to Columbus, like something I always emphasize and share with people is like your network is what's going to get you further than anything else. Right. Like, if I could bet on someone who's going to make it far, like, totally separating out skill set and it's not like to say anything but like solely based on network and personal relationships like my money's on annie because everyone knows annie everyone loves annie she has the most genuine heart she's friends with everyone like if she were ever in dire times there are a million people who would get her a job even not in dire times, like there's a million people who would be honored to have Annie work with them. And so, and it's not like you have to be the Annie of your friend group because it's impossible to be. (laughs) Putting yourself out there is like the most important asset and skill I think you can develop. And it doesn't have to be that dream internship or that A in the class, like just meeting people and spending an extra 30 minutes every month trying to meet someone new or finding a new mentor goes like exponentially far. And I wish I branched out more and met more people that weren't like me. Same. Um, I think we were also blessed to be on a team that was super diverse and people mm-hmm. look different from me. They came from different backgrounds. Like 
And that was just, just because I was on a team, but I wish I just reached out to more people and heard their stories and kind of just gained more empathy maybe for other point of views, points mm-hmm. of view. So I don't know, that's, that's our little advice to all you uh, young <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. But I also, I wanted to also talk about how you were such a mentor for me, um, especially with mental health and how I really was struggling um, my freshman and sophomore year. And what was amazing about you is that you had your own struggles and you were, you kind of were going through your own things, but at the same time you put it aside and was always, you were always, always there for me. And so I, I just wanted to ask how you've taken like that experience from high school and kind of as you've grown and kind of become more independent in your own kind of, you're living on your own. How do you carry that into your everyday life? Because Mm -hmm. not that it's easier, but you have seemingly more friends around more resources when you're in college and then you're kind of on your own. Yeah. I think the biggest difference now, and there are so many challenges that come with the adult world versus college and with college versus high school But knowing yourself, knowing like it's okay to be burnt out or overwhelmed or stressed or anxious, but also responding to those emotions, right? Like the difference now, and I'm very lucky I work with a firm that has a culture that tolerates that, but I'm not afraid to ping my boss or ping my teammate and be like, I'm kind of in a funk. I'm going to take a long lunch or just flat out be like, I need a few mental health days. I'm feeling burnt out. Um, Like something like that is, I just value so much because sometimes it just takes a couple days of you time and rest and to step away from the computer or whatever's causing a lot of that stress. And it kind of sobers you up or knocks you out of it. I think the hardest part about Princeton is there was no off button. So it was like, I'm overwhelmed with this lab report. I'm overwhelmed with this paper. We have two and a half hours of practice. I need to stay up late and write it, but we have lifting at 7 a.m. It's like, there's no, it's just like, it keeps on going and going, going. And I think that was something I struggled with the most. And I didn't necessarily felt like some of those needs were heard or I guess accepted um we straight up didn't have the resources yeah readily available we had jody we could go i literally thought of jody our athletic trainer for listeners like i (laughs) he was like a saving grace yeah yeah and we we had our coaches we could go to them but it was never a active let me sit down with you and see how your mental health is. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really cherish our coaches. Like I think out of, I mean, out of, I don't know what other people's experiences were like, but they respected your mental health. Mm -hmm. Whereas I, I, but I think it needs to turn into more of a proactive thing. Like it's like, you're going to weight training, you're going to practice. Okay. Now we're each person. Let's talk about how we feel. Yeah. Um, and I think that was absent when we were there, but I I'm loving what they're starting to do at Princeton. There's a lot more initiative to, um, tap into the mental health side of things, but yeah, I think people are just realizing how important it is finally. Yeah. And I truly think, I think if I 
had addressed my mental health better, like on and off the court, like on the court, I definitely had stressors and anxiety too. Everyone does, but I feel like it inhibited some of my performance. Like I, I don't oh think I God. reached the peak I could have reached had it been more proactively addressed, or I guess that would be reactively, but proactively work towards or even reactively addressed. Like you looked off or the team looked stressed out. It was more of a, you know, and I, 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 I don't want to advocate against it because it was such a good experience, but just the, it almost set like was a weak, a weakness right. of people to be. And it was like, you were just separated from the pack further rather than, Hey, let's nip this in the butt and get you back on, you right. know, on the horse, quote unquote. Right. I, and I, I think it almost, it was a shock to our team when I had such a tough time. And mm-hmm. I think it was a shock to everyone that I knew and you knew. And like, we mm-hmm. like really, got closer as a team, I think, and realized how important it was too to pay attention to those things. Um, Well, and I think you were always the team cheerleader, like without a doubt, the most bubbly, the most outgoing, kind of like the social queen. And that's not just to say like, Jackie wants to go out. Like, I feel like you were the person ringing everyone in together. So then when that came to surface and people weren't necessarily on the inside, I feel like it was almost to them, I'm imagining it was like a wake up call to, you know, people put on facades and you don't know the full story and just to teach each other to be more empathetic, but also to like the point of this whole conversation to actually be reaching out and providing resources so as to avoid, you know, and not everything's totally avoidable, but so we can, you know, work through these things. Right. Just talk about it more. Yeah. But I'm, you know this, but I'm grateful for you because oh, you're always by my side and <laughs> I always it. got your back too. Got your um, six. What? Got your six. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. I love you. Love you. <laughs>